Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. Don't you love that song? Woo, man. If that don't light you up, your, your wood is wet, right? I mean, that's, uh, man, that's one of my running songs. When I first started running a few years ago, I'd put on that Chris Tomlin song, and man, I would just run and run until I couldn't run anymore. Man, I'm glad you're here today. God bless you all for being at Great Hills Baptist Church. Way to go. You know, sometimes it's good just to be, <laughs> just to be encouraged that you made it. How many of you are glad to God that you're like, Woo, I made it. I made it to church. Amen. God. <laughs> Woo, some of you with young families, with children. Mm. Man, way to go, I tell you. And you saw this morning through the baptism what, you know, what your efforts do, you know, with the children being discipled at home and they come to church and the word of God is proclaimed and taught and applied. That is a powerful combination to see Boys and girls come to faith in Christ and to become champions and warriors and warrior princesses for the Lord. And so I just commend you and welcome those of you that are online. Many of you are watching us very faithfully and consistently. And so we welcome you. Many of you are Great Hills uh, members and others of you are just scattered all over. And so we're just delighted to have you come in and join with us uh, in our Bible study. I went ahead and did it earlier. And those of you that are in the room and those of you that are online, if you want to go, and uh, click the share button, that would be great on Facebook. And that helps us a lot because that lets many people know, all of your friends, it comes to the top of your newsfeed, that you are at church, if you're okay with that, if you don't mind people knowing that you're at church, and just click the share button, and that is fantastic, and that gets the word out to so many people who can tune us in. And amazing technology is amazing. I mean, the, the message we're gonna share today and the worship of God that we're enjoying can all be broadcast and anybody and everybody can come in and join us uh, today. So Kay, Kay Yao uh, was her name and she was a phenomenal women's basketball coach for North Carolina State University. She battled and uh, lost her battle with cancer. And years ago, she had a funeral service and 1,400 people showed up. That's a lot of people. Her pastor, Pastor Gregory, stood up and said, you know, Kay was one of the most remarkable ladies that I have ever known. She showed absolutely zero favoritism. In fact, none of her celebrity friends were allowed to speak at her funeral, just the pastor and just a few others and herself. Yeah, Kay herself spoke. You say, now how in the world do you speak from heaven to your funeral? Well, you pre-record it, right? And she did for 25 minutes. She shared with all of her friends, her former students and uh, student athletes. And I quote her verbatim when she says these words. And now I say farewell. <laughs> wow. It has been a wonderful journey, especially since the time I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. He changed my life. He has changed the life of every person who has ever accepted him. Pat Summit, who since has gone on to, uh, into eternity, Pat Summit is the most winning coach in all of women's basketball. She coached for the University of Tennessee. And she said afterwards, she said, I, I just sat there in amazement as I watched Kay Yao, and she said this. She said, you know, it would be just like her 
to do what she did in the service today, you know, to pre-record it, to speak to everybody who's present. She was the absolute first person that I'd ever seen do that. You know, as I reflected back on this lady's remarkable life and her funeral message, two things just kept bubbling up and reminded me so much of our text today in Acts chapters 10 and 11, where the Bible says that Peter went into the home of Cornelius and he preached the gospel, showed no favoritism, and Cornelius was the absolute first, the first ever Gentile or Gentile family to come to faith in Christ. No favoritism and the absolute first. And so today we get to study God's Word together. I'm so excited to read Acts chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, excuse me, Acts chapter 11, we'll look at verses 1 through 18. So you can go ahead and open up your tablet, your phone, or if you're old school like me and you, you actually have a, a copy of the Bible, go ahead and open that up. And we'll read together our text today. And the title of my message is The Absolute First. Again, Oftentimes, we become so familiar with something, it, it become, kind of breeds, you know, contempt. We're like, well, I'm familiar with Cornelius and the gospel coming to the Gentiles, and amen, that's why I'm here today, because of this verse, and it's so true. You and I are here today because of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ that came first to the Jews, spread from the Jews to the Samaritans to the Romans, to the Greeks, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And all of this begins, the Genesis moment, the inception moment, really the embryonic moment of the New Testament church exploding and burgeoning and just going all over the world starts right here, right now, the absolute first, and it's with Cornelius. And so this Roman centurion, this man who is a military man, in my mind, I just picture him as this large, raw bone. Roman centurion who has a tender heart for God. You remember we looked at it a couple weeks ago. He's there in his house, his oikos. He has all of his colleagues, his family, his friends, probably his neighbors. Some people argue as up to many as 50 people have come to Cornelius' home to hear the message that the apostle Peter is going to share with them. Now, Luke takes 70 verses. Now, you may want to make a note of this. 70 verses dedicated to the Cornelius episode. 70, you say, well, why so many? And if you read it with me, you'll say, he already said that. This is the second, third time that Luke has written the same thing about Cornelius and Peter. You say, why is that? It's because of repetition helps with memory which embeds it in our minds so that Luke really wants us to get this message. That, now watch this. The gospel is for everybody. Doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter how tall you are, how short you are, how big you are, how, how much money you have, what color of your skin, your ethnicity, it doesn't, your geography, your boundaries, it doesn't matter who you are. The gospel, mm, the good news that God so loved the cosmos, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever, now church, what does that mean? Whoever means whoever, anybody that believes on him will not perish, but have eternal everlasting life. I, I'm telling you, I, my heart is so full today. I've got such good news for you. I knew we would baptize today. I knew you would see a beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Addie follows him 
follows his example like many of you need to do. Look, in here in this Bible that we read, Acts chapter 10, all the people in Cornelius' home, they accept Christ and they get baptized and they start serving the Lord. That is the model. That is the template. This is the example for the church of all ages that we have a passionate relationship with God through Christ. We're baptized, we bond together, and we, we form the church, and we are a mighty army for the Lord. So here we are in the text. Woohoo, got 18 verses. But I'll read kind of quickly because many of these verses you've already read with me. Now, the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea, in verse, verse 1, they heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And you and I might think, and boy, they had a holy party. They just rejoiced, rejoiced. But that's not what happened. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, that would be the Judaizers, really it'd be the Jewish Christians, those who had converted out of Judaism to Christ, and yet they still held on to the racism. You with me? They still held on to the bigotry. They still held on to the ethnocentrism that our tribe, our group is better than your group and we don't associate with lowlings, people like you. And they still have, you say, well, wait a minute, it's been seven years. Seven years since the Holy Spirit has come, surely they have, uh, they've grown out of that, they've matured out of their prejudice, but they have not. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, they contended with him. They debated him. It's in the imperfect tense in the Greek New Testament, meaning it wasn't just a moment of debate. They kept on debating Peter and saying, Peter, you should not have done that. You don't go to people like that. They're different than us. Let somebody else talk to them because we Jews, we're sticking together. Do you understand? They asked the wrong person that question saying, you went in to uncircumcised men. Watch the exclamation point. And you ate with them? Oh, my word. What, 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 is, what, is, what are we to make of this? But Peter, bless his heart, he didn't do what you and I would do. We'd just get red in the face, start shouting, get mad, say, what are you, bunch of hypocrites? You bunch of legalistic people, what is your problem? No, Peter explained to them in order from the beginning, and he said, wow. What a great response. I was in Joppa, and I was praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me, me being the apostle Peter, the rock upon which Jesus said he would build his church, the rock of revelation, that you are Peter, and that you are my child and you believe in me and you're gonna be a leader in my church. Yes, I'm talking to you as the apostle Peter, hear me out. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth. I mean, in this trance vision, I saw a bunch of wild beasts. Come on, church, creeping things. God made some critters, didn't he? Why did God make scorpions and spiders and snakes? I really don't know. You can ask him when you get there, if you're going, all right? But Peter says, I saw some crazy stuff, things that are forbidden for me as a Jew and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying, and in your Bibles, it probably has red letters. Jesus said to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat it all. 
And Peter said, no, no, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again saying, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, he's way beyond creeping things and beasts and animals, right? God is conveying a message to him that all peoples are created in the image of God, and we have no right to call anybody lesser, common, unclean. We're not superior to, they, hey, look, folks, there's only one race, and that's the human race. It's not the black race, the white race, the Indian race, the African race. This is one race, our race, the human beings. Now, this was done, amen. <clears throat> I appreciate y'all clapping. You know why? It gives me a chance to get a good little drink of water. I appreciate that. Now, Peter says this was done three times. Now, that's not lost on them, right? They knew how many times Peter had denied Jesus in the courtyard. They knew how many times Jesus restored Peter on the Sea of Galilee. And now three times, Peter said, this happened to me. And all of these were drawn up again into heaven, the sheets with the animals. At that very moment, three men stood before the house <clears throat> where I was staying or where I was, <clears throat> having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them and do not doubt. Isn't that a good word? The Spirit told me to go, doubting nothing. And moreover, these six brethren, now watch this church, this is really important. <clears throat> the Joppa seven, remember them? Peter plus the six Jews had gone into Cornelius's home. They had witnessed firsthand the move of God, the Holy Spirit of God coming upon them. They spoke in tongues, they spoke in languages. They had this miraculous moment. <clears throat> and Peter has the wherewithal and the brilliance to bring those who would give corroborating evidence. So Peter brings the delegation that went with him from Joppa to Caesarea and now from Caesarea, 50 miles south to Jerusalem. These six brethren accompanied me and we entered the man's house. We went to Cornelius's house and he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who had said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon whose surname is Peter. <clears throat> Peter will tell you words by which, look at this, all of your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit, uh, Judaizers, legalists, are you listening to me? I, the Apostle Peter, I was speaking, and the same Holy Spirit fell upon them who fell upon us at the beginning. He's referring to Pentecost, Acts chapter two. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed's baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them, <clears throat> who is them? That would be the Gentiles, the foreigners, the internationals, the other peoples, right? If God gave them the same gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could argue or withstand God? And here's the last verse. 
Now, when they heard these things, they became silent. And I love that. You know, they listened. This, this was brand new for them. They, they could not imagine a breaking of, of, of Judaism in such a violent way that the foods, you know, and uh, the laws and the Gentiles. And man, this was a lot for them to wrap their minds around. And, and yet God was doing a new thing. And, and God has the right to do whatever God wants to do. And so God has done a new thing and they became silent. And then watch what they did next. They glorified God. I respect that. I appreciate that so much. And they said, then God <laughs> has also granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. So what an amazing passage of scripture. Many of these verses we have already read and we've studied. So I won't spend as much time with the passages that we've already studied, but there are a few things here that I wanna draw out for, I almost said for your enjoyment, but it is enjoyment to me. I just love the word of God. I, I love to study it. I love to memorize it. I love to preach it and teach it. And I, and I know you love to hear it and you love to have the Holy Spirit apply it uh, to, your, to your life. So I just kind of move in three segments here or three vignettes, uh, three pictures of what is going on in this one pericope, in this one narrative, in this one unit of thought. First of all, there's a resistance, right? The resistance is in the form of the Jewish believers who said, how dare you eat with those people? And you, you went into their house? <laughs> what in the world is going on? Peter, you got some explaining to do. And so there's the resistance. And then secondly, Peter gives his report, right? Uh, he gives his update. He gives his remonstrance. Because, almost a rebuttal because it's almost a debate. It's the atmosphere almost of a, <clears throat> a, a thesis and an antithesis, right? There is, they are making this accusation and Peter's gonna have to give a report. Mm, mm, mm. By the way, if you ever find yourself on a stand, if you ever find yourself in a precarious situation and you have to give a report for what you believe, I'm telling you, Peter does two things that are absolutely pristine and I would highly recommend it to me and to all of us. Number one is quote the word of God. And that's what he will do. He quotes Luke 3, 16. He quotes Acts chapter one, verse five, when he said, and Jesus said, John baptized us with water. Ooh, come on. But Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Number two, he appealed to his very biblical experience. And Peter is like, look, you can argue with me all you want, but this is what the scripture says, and this is what has been fleshed out in my own life. It was an airtight case. And if you hadn't heard anything, I really hope you hear what I'm about to say. A person who has had a biblical experience with Christ is never at the mercy of a person with a mere argument. Just not. So that's the report. And then finally, uh, man, it's, it's just a time of rejoicing. I mean, they just all came together and said, wow, here's the resolve. We praise God for what he has done. God is doing a new thing. Mm -mm. God is, he's done something new. And we ought to rejoice with it. 
Okay, here we go. Number one is the resistance. I won't go through all the verses, I told you, <clears throat> but we just gotta capture a couple of these. Um, verse one, he says, the Gentiles receive the word of the Lord. That is just, that is just earth-shattering news. And I know it's passe for us because we have received the word of God, but just think what God is doing. God is removing the veil. He's removing the partition. He's removing the, the great chasm and gulf. And he is saying, we are all one. We can all be one, all one in Jesus Christ. Revelation 22, 17. Look, look at this marvelous verse. And the Holy Spirit and the bride say, the church say, come on, everybody. And let him who hears it say, come on. And let him who thirsts come, whoever what a word. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that verse and verses like it are in the Bible? Now, verse 2, Peter makes his way up to Jerusalem. Did y'all see that? Um, he came up. Why does the Bible say he went up to Jerusalem when in actuality he went 50 miles southeast to Jerusalem. Did y'all catch that? You say, no, Brother Danny, I, I just went right over me. What would you say? Say it again. Why does the Bible always refer to a person, even though they're going south, if they go south, the Bible will still say they went up to Jerusalem. You know why? Because Jerusalem's on a hill. It's called Mount Zion. It's called God's holy hill. It's the most important city in all antiquity. And I would argue it's the most important city in the world today. I'm telling you, that is a special place. And whenever the Bible says they go to Jerusalem, they always go up to the mount, the holy hill of God in verse two. And you're welcome. I just thought I'd share that with you. Dr. Butler, I appreciate it. I know you'd enjoy that tidbit, that historical uh, hermeneutical tidbit. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. All right, they confronted him, and in verse three, it gets a little bit intense. They call Peter on the carpet. It's a polemical moment, right? It's a harsh moment. Have you ever noticed when people get angry, it comes out of their mouth? First of all, it comes across their face. You know, as Kyle Miller would say, you get sad, then you get what? You get mad, and then what happens? Bad. <laughs> I think these people are sad. I think they're disappointed. Peter, you've disappointed us, man. And then they get mad. You, sh you shouldn't have done that. And then it gets bad. And oftentimes, whether it's in our own personal relationships with people or a presidential debate, that thing seems to resurface. You get sad, offended, you get mad, and then bad things came as a result of it. It's just part of being in the human race. But so that's the, uh, that's what I'm calling is the whole, the, the resistance. But look, look at number two is the report. And this is verses four through 17. <laughs> Peter explained it to them in the order from the beginning. He's gonna give a lot of facts. He's gonna give a lot of personal experience. He's going to quote scripture, and as I said earlier, that is, a, that is a powerful trilogy. That's a triumvirate, really. Facts, scripture, personal experience. I would say it like this, scripture, personal experience, and facts. 
And that is a powerful, cohesive argument for your, for your case. I read David McCullough's excellent book uh, a few years ago on John Adams, and I would recommend, by the way, I recommend anything David McCullough writes. And I sure hope he hasn't written some crazy something and you go read it and say, this is terrible, Pastor. Well, I'm just gonna go out on a limb. Anything that he's written that I've read, I have absolutely enjoyed it, especially his book, John Adams. And by the way, they have a DVD series out on the life of John Adams. I would highly recommend that. Adams is in a familiar position of Peter. He's on trial. You know, the people are like 1770. What's going on in 1770 in America? Anybody? This is pre-revolution. Not everybody is gung-ho about revolution. Can you imagine that? Let's just hang out. The Brits aren't that bad after all. And John Adams stands up and says, listen to me, people, liberty is not built on the doctrine that a few nobles have a right to inherit the earth. No, no. It stands on this principle that the meanest and the lowest of the people are by their unalterable, indefeasible laws of God and nature. They are as well entitled to the benefit of the air to breathe, light to see, food to eat, clothes to wear, as the nobles or the king. This I submit to you, my patriots and comrades, this is liberty. That was his argument to the people there on that day. John Adams was the same person who said, facts are stubborn things. We will not live under tyranny. We are destined for freedom. And come on, people, it's worth it. It's worth fighting for. And man, I'm just drawn into this short, portly John Adams, proud patriot that he was. What president was he? Anybody remember? Second president, right after the first president, who was? Amen, good. reminds me of something else I just read. You see, you're going to tell us everything you read in your life? My land, what? Yeah, I, I'm reading Grant's biography right now. It's, it's only this thick. I'm not kidding you. It's Ron Chernow who wrote Alexander Hamilton. The whole Broadway is built on Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. Chernow wrote the book Grant, Ulysses S. Grant. And in this book, I am just amazed is I'm almost at the end of this book of how divided our country was, how, how it looked like we were going off a precipice. It, it really looked like, I mean, there were murders, there were killings, there were slaughtering African-Americans in the South, in New Orleans, in Mississippi, in Alabama. I mean, it's 1874. And there are many who are like, they are not equal with us and heaven forbid that they ever vote. And there was this uprising in the South saying they are a lower class of people than us and let's just fight them to the death and let's slaughter them. That's the United States of America in 1874. You said, no, that's not really what, that's not how it went down. Oh, that's how it went down. Post-Civil War, nine years removed, Reconstruction is falling. And this is the quote that I came across and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Quote, there was simply no neat solutions as a violent gulf yawned open between Democrats and Republicans. 
1874, to which I want to say something. Go ahead and say it. If God could heal us then, God can heal us now. You know? I want healing. I want reconciliation and restitution. It's kind of like a church. A church is no stronger than when she's unified. A nation is no stronger than when she's unified. Even unity amidst diversity. So Peter here gives this stellar, memorable, praiseworthy response. I love the fact that he doesn't get angry. Or if he is angry, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sanctified anger where he's like, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. Okay, here we go. You know, he could have said, you bunch of nitwits, you weren't there, I was there. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm, you know, he, he could have went there, but he didn't. It was kind, it was cogent, it was reasonable. I like what one writer says. He said, Peter's response, instead of entering into a heated rebuke of their prejudice, Peter simply recounted the remarkable events leading to the Gentiles' conversion. Yes. If you look at verse 12, I know I can't just, just go to all of them, but verse 12 just really stood out to me. The Spirit told me, go with them and do not doubt I wonder if the Holy Spirit's telling any of you in here to go do something and don't doubt Him. I'm just, just saying. Just thought I'd ask. Holy Spirit asking, you folks are in the dark over there. I never knew how dark it was in the, in the recesses of our, of our sanctuary. Do y'all see me over there? Y'all wave at me? God bless y'all. How about you folks? Y'all are in the dark too. Hey, it's okay. I see you. My ADD's kicking in. I see everything. I wish I couldn't see everything, but I do. The Spirit told me, go with them. Don't doubt. These six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into uh, the man's house. Oh, Peter, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. The Holy Spirit told me to go. I wonder if Peter was hesitant, knowing that God was radically changing his own prejudiced heart. Number two, I wonder if Peter was hesitant because he knew what was awaiting him. <laughs> Maybe he knew his comrades, his fellow Jewish believers weren't quite where he was. I wonder if he was reticent. I wonder if he hesitated just a moment to go, oh boy, if I step into that, it's gonna cost me. I praise God for people like that. This might cost me, but it's right. This is what God wants me to do. And so, God, please help me, courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving on in spite of fear. And so Peter goes on and he does what God wants him to do and he's able to give this amazing report. In verse 15, he tells the Jewish Christians who are giving him so much grief, he goes, look guys, the Holy Spirit who fell upon us, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. What does that mean? And then he quotes in verse 16, Luke 3, 16, that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said this. It's recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. And so you see the progression here. The Holy Spirit has come, and the Jewish people, they receive, they've received Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. You go to Acts chapter 8. Oh, my word, the Samaritans... They were referred to as the half-breeds, by the way, because of their history. They were, isn't that awful? That 
terrible what we call one another? Yeah, they're a bunch of half-breeds because they're half-Jew and they're half-Gentile. We don't know what to make of them. And yet the Holy Spirit of God sweeps across them in Acts chapter 8, and they're saved. And now Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit comes upon the Gentiles. Oh, my, my. Verse 17, Peter concludes his report, and he says, if this is the work of God, how can I fight against God. And the Greek word there, kaluo, means to forbid, to prevent, or to hinder God. F.F. Bruce says, God evidently made no distinction between believing Gentiles and believing Jews. How could Peter maintain a barrier which God plainly ignored? To do so would be to oppose God. Somebody interviewed me a couple weeks ago, and uh, they asked me, they said, do you ever get criticized? Amen. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. And I did chuckle. I did, I did laugh. And they said, if you do get criticized, how do you respond to it? And by the way, Peter is being criticized. I don't know if y'all, I don't want you to miss this. When people, people look at you and say, why did you do that? Have you lost your mind? We don't do that. You better have a good reason why you went to you went church, watch me, their house. We don't fraternize with them, you see. Isn't that terrible? And so I was asked, do you ever get criticized? And number two, what do you do when you get criticized? And I laughed because I said, the only way to not get criticized is don't say anything, don't stand up for anything, and don't represent anything. And if you do that, then you're guaranteed to never get criticized. But that's just not me. I, I wanna stand up, I wanna speak up, I wanna show up. And I said, through the years, God has taught me how to respond to criticism a lot better than I used to respond to criticism. And I gotta admit, I've responded to criticism in not, not, a, not as a good a way as I, as I should have. And it's a, it's a verse of scripture. I don't know if this is for anybody. I'm gonna kind of go there for just a minute. If it helps you, then I, I'm, I will be blessed. I think the greatest verse, if you're in a tough situation, people are questioning you. You and your heart know that you're doing the, the best that you can with all the information that you possess and you're trying to give good leadership. If you're ever, I mean, abruptly, and by the way, Criticism doesn't usually, they don't usually give you four hours and say, I'm about to confront you and I'm gonna get in your face and I'm gonna disagree with you, so I'm gonna give you four hours to prepare. Wouldn't that be sweet? No, it doesn't happen like that. It, it, it comes upon you as, whoa, where, man, where did that come from? Here's the verse. Oh, this is so good. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who said that? Was he ever criticized? <laughs> yeah, he was. And yet he was hard on religious people, I admit. He rebuked them thoroughly. But I think overall his, his life, he was poor in spirit. He was humble. And if you're in a humble posture and, and you're already in a humble posture and somebody tries to make you humble, they don't have to because you're already there. Y'all with me? You're already there. You walk around in a spirit of humility. Those who fight at the drop of a hat and help you drop the hat, they're usually pretty proud. They're usually got an ax to grind. 
Just that spirit of humility, that spirit of deference, that spirit of one another. No, you don't let them run over you. You speak the truth in love. That's exactly what I see the apostle Peter doing here. Now, here's the good news. Here's the final part I wanna share with you. It's the resolve. In verse 18, the Jews in Jerusalem, they began with criticism, right? How dare you do that? If you lost your ever-loving mind, then they listen. I like that. They, they actually listened to Peter and then they became silent. Silence is a good thing. Oftentimes we hate silence when we're talking to somebody or we hate just a moment of Isn't that awkward? <laughs> so like, okay, what's, what are you gonna say? That's okay. You know, just, just a, a moment of silence. There was a holy hush that came over the room when Peter stood up. It took Luke verses four through 17. I'm thinking it probably took an hour. I think he's just, he's just redacted it. He's just shaved it down, the narrative. I think Peter just, just shared with him from his heart. There was criticism, then there was silence, and watch what God did. There was praise. They glorified God. I love that. Did y'all see that in verse 18? Let me read it again. When they heard these things, they became silent. Then they glorified God and they said, then God, it's almost like but God, has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to, <clears throat> to life. So I would encourage us, don't park at the roadside of complaint and criticism, never to move onward and upward and forward to the destination of praise. Are you with me? Can I say that again? Let's not park and stay on the roadside of criticism and complaining and argumentation when God would have us say, hey, I agree with you. Or, hey, let's agree to... What in the, what in the world has happened to that? What in the, so you disagree with me? Oh, you're a, oh, oh, I didn't know I was all of that. I wouldn't like myself either. Where, why, how, what happened to civility? What, what happened to the Abraham Lincoln quote, you know? Malice toward none and love toward all, even though we disagree and we may violently d disagree in the world of metaphysics, in the world of ideology, in the world of thought and reason, but God, please help us to quit being so mean just because we disagree. That's a good way. That's a great way to destroy a marriage to destroy a church, anybody know where I'm going with this? Or to destroy a nation. There's a lot more I wanna say, I'm not gonna say it. I'm just gonna say, stick with your notes. You do a lot better when you do it with your notes, okay. This is the last thing I really wanna say, 11.59, here we go. And I'm gonna make a, I hope it's a godly appeal to you you, 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 and you. The devil will do everything in his power to divide you and conquer you. Whether it's your heart, your family, your church, your business, your sports team, 
your nation. Jesus said he's a murderer from the beginning, and whenever he speaks, he speaks lies. And I only want to speak to one of those organisms. I only want to take a moment speak to the church. The enemy would do everything to destroy us. Name the debate, name the theological argument, Calvinism, speaking in tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, women this, da da da. It doesn't matter. The enemy's like, I don't care what doctrine you want to split over. I just gladly provide it. Let's just, just fight. Just get angry with one another. And here's what happens. You, you consume yourself with that, and then you forget all about the great commandment and the great commission, and the devil wins. So I want to appeal to you. I want to appeal to you on the authority of the Word of God to agree, and if you can't agree, then agree to disagree, and then go tell somebody about Jesus. That's why you're here. God has not left us on this earth so that we could congregate and get angry and mad and be like the world and be like our politicians and be like the business world and dog eat dog and I'm better than you and I'm going to triumph over you. And this poor in spirit, you're like, oh, we're poor in spirit, buddy. That, tell me how that goes out in the real. I'll tell you how it goes. God will honor you. God will honor you if you are humble and deference and prefer one another over yourself. And so if you get taken advantage of, so if you get passed over, so if somebody calls you a, a wimp and you just didn't whatever, then if God is pleased, then hallelujah, you've won. You've won because we, we're pleasing one person, an audience of one, and that is King Jesus. So... Um, Give me some water. Amen. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, let it go, let it go. So I just thought I'd sing that, Jeff, while I, was, while I was there. Let it go. If you were interested, there's a whole other page of notes. And, and as I've shared before, for $19.99, I'll send these to you just <laughs> y'all know I'm kidding I sure do love you Great Hills Baptist Church y'all are an awesome people thank you thank you bless you and bless you people that are listening online Father we thank you for your word it is so amazing God it challenges us to the core Lord I admit my heart my soul is laid bare before the Word of God. I have so far to go. Lord, I'm, I still have to battle that temptation to speak, say something, when, God, you would call me to quietness, call me to holiness, call me to a deep breath. And I pray that for whoever is struggling with that today. I pray, God, for unity in the homes that are here today. Lord, for sweet spirits, for forgiveness. For moms and dads not to be at war, but Lord, they'd be in unison. Pray for healthy, holy marriages. Pray for kids, Lord. And thank you so much for the discipleship that we heard, that Chris and Kristen are discipling uh, little Addie. Hallelujah. God, that's, that's the most effective form of discipleship we've got is a mom and a dad. Loving you, God, and loving their kids and talking about you and reading the word, praying. I pray for that, Lord, in our homes. 
pray for that, Lord. I also pray for unity and peace in our hearts, in our families, in our church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the peace that's in our church. I, I've never seen, at least in my 10 years, Lord, I've never seen Great Hill so unified and so marching in the same direction with the Great Commission and making disciples, and I'm grateful for that, Lord. And we don't take that for granted. We don't even take credit for that, Lord. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you, and we're praying that you would continue, God, to give us deference, preference, humility. And I finally pray, Lord, for unity in our nation. Lord, I pray for our nation. And God, as I, as I read history, I, I am amazed, but I'm also encouraged that God, if you did it then, you can do it now. And your desire is for us to be a civil people, Lord. We Really, the nations of this world, most of the missionary enterprise is funded through this country, so help this country, God. That's just a fact. Church, I hope you're not accusing me of ethnocentrism or this country's better than your country. No, it's just a fact. Ask our mission partners. They will tell you, look, America is blessed of God. And as America is prosperous, she blesses so many missionaries all over the world. No other nation in the world does what Americans do for the gospel, for the spreading of the gospel. So, Lord, please help our nation be one nation under God, indivisible. Oh, Lord, with liberty and justice for all of us. Again, Lord, thank you for your word. I just, ooh, I just love it. And I love this church, Lord. I love what you are doing. So I'm praying for us. In Jesus' name, I'm praying. Amen. Amen. Jeff, you come and guys lead us in our song.